Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Mark Trichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. It is, I'm recording this on February 16th. Earlier today, the NCUA board had the, their February board meeting and they had three items on it. They had their quarterly National Credit Union Share Insurance Fund financial statistics and briefing, which is always one of my favorites and I'll get into why I like that. They also had a final rule on the... Cyber incidents, excuse me, they also had a final rule on reportable cyber incidents. And the rule was very similar to the proposed rule, but I'll get into that here in a little bit. And they also had a proposed rule on the chartering and field of membership manual and made some tweaks to that, which some of which are, are pretty good. But first, I want to get into the share insurance fund equity ratio, which stands at 1.3%. During this discussion, actually right before this discussion, they also talked about the fact that the insurance fund and the other funds got a clean CPA opinion on it, which is good. I know staff works diligently to get to that point, and it's great that they were able to achieve that. But a couple of takeaways on the share insurance fund briefing, and that is that um, to quote one board member, the increases in camel three, fours, and fives is breathtaking, but I'll get to that shortly. I'm going to have a couple snippets I'm going to play from the public recording, which is available on YouTube, by the way, and I'm going to get a snippet from each of the three board members here to supplement what I want to say here about the meeting. But NCUA paused their investment ladder. Why? Because they are underwater with their portfolio about $1.7 billion. Percentage-wise, that's similar to how credit unions' portfolios are performing. However, NCUA needs to make sure, just like credit unions don't want to sell their underwater investment portfolios, NCUA needs to build up cash so that if there are losses, cash needs or liquidity needs, like they had during the corporate crisis, that they have the cash available and that they don't have to sell those investments at a loss. So they've made a decision to pause their ladder, their investment ladder, until their cash portfolio reaches $4 billion. Now, there's somewhere between $1 and $2 billion right now. They indicated by around August with the runoff of the ladder that they've already built, that they should get close to the $4 billion mark and then be able to start doing laddering again. But that for certain in the fourth quarter, they're expecting to have hit that $4 billion cash surplus. So that says a lot that they're thinking about the fact that they might need this cash and that could be affected by liquidity issues that credit unions are having. And quite frankly, the liquidity issues that I'm seeing out there from my discussions with clients I've not really seen anything like this in my 34 years in credit unions. And NCUA is hitting liquidity hard in credit unions. So obviously they want to show that they're looking at liquidity and looking at building cash up themselves, but it would also be embarrassing if they had to 
realize some of those unrealized losses. So it all makes sense. Plus the rates that they're able to earn on those in the overnight are quite advantageous right now. And really it makes a lot of sense, but the number is kind of alarming that it's 4 billion. And they link that to the corporate crisis back in 09 when that happened. And they basically saying, we don't want to have to borrow. And even Kelly Lay, the ENI director made references to the fact that with NCUA, these are my my words, criticizing many credit unions for having borrowed too much. They don't want to give the wrong signal and have to borrow for cash needs for the insurance fund. More importantly than that, although that is pretty important, the agency has been hitting camel codes quite heavily. And the increase is, to quote one board member, breathtaking on the code threes, fours, and fives. And I'm going to play a snippet here from the board meeting from NCUA board chairman, Todd Harper. Now, if we could pull up slide seven. Eugene, you noted that we've begun increasing the dollar amount of overnight notes that we are holding in portfolio. And the goal is eventually to reach $4 billion in such investments. That's a prudent decision given the current rise in credit unions with a deposit camels code three, four, or five rating. How will the movement to overnight investments ensure that the share insurance fund has the liquidity needed to get through any future downturn? Sure. The $4 billion overnight target, again, was benchmarked to the largest emergency liquidity event that the fund said, where we needed to extend funding on extremely short notice. That movement to the overnights is continuing actually to help the funds yield uh, as overnights have been earning between about 450 and 460 basis points. The investment ladder also helps with our liquidity position and that it provides a continuous flow of maturities each quarter, averaging about $700 million per quarter. That helps the agency to adjust the overnight target either up or down as we see changes in conditions and the need to do so. You said that the $4 billion was set based on the prior previous largest liquidity. Was that the corporate credit union crisis or was that the tax and medallion crisis or was it a different crisis? Uh, Because I know at a certain point in time, we all as an agency had to come to Congress and ask for $6 billion to the share insurance fund in order to support the system. Yeah, I can answer that question. So yes, the $4 billion liquidity target was set due to the U.S. Central um, emergency liquidity loan that we needed to provide on very short notice. Right. You know, we we talk about black swans. We need to recognize black swans like that and and build our programs around them. So thank you. During the last few Okay, I'm going to pause that. Actually, that that snippet talked about camel codes, but it also talked about the need to build up build up the four billion. But you could hear Chairman Harper talked about the fact that they need the reason they need to do that is the increase in three threes, fours, and fives, which means they're potentially anticipating having to resolve theoretically some of those through either liquidity assistance or through cash assistance to affect a merger. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that those threes, fours, and fives that are already in place. They're anticipating those losses, but over time, there's statistically a three, four, and five has a more likely chance of failing than a one or a two. So that would explain why he why he's saying that. Now here, Chairman Harper is going to get into a little bit of discussion on internal controls, fraud, which by the way was a frequent word. If you had to do a word search on which word came up the most during this insurance fund briefing. A lot of references to fraud, and I'll get into why I think that might be here in a minute, but here's Chairman Harper again. Quarters, we've also seen growing stress within the system because of interest rate and liquidity risk. 
Additionally, we have begun to identify more instances of internal control problems at credit unions, which can lead to uncovering of fraud, credit union liquidations, as you noted earlier, and losses to share and shifts fund. That is why some element of on-site examinations remains so critical to identifying safety and soundness issues and risks to the share insurance fund. On-site exams facilitate discussions about how best to address liquidity and interest risks. On-site exams also allow for better testing of internal controls and a closer review of loan documents. As SUA examiners continue to return on-site while continuing to conduct some portion of the exam process virtually, and as interest rates continue to rise, we will likely see more composite CAMELS codes, three, four, and five, to rise. Um, that is, that they will get worse in the coming quarters. Okay, so lot there. References to fraud, references to internal controls, insurance losses, liquidations. So it's clear to me that some of these three, fours, and fives, and by the way, the increases, as you're going to hear here in a minute, are in big credit unions. So it seems like there are some issues happening in large credit unions that that have led to these downgrades. And it also seems that Chairman Harper took the opportunity here to say, on-site exams are something that we need, and we we may do parts of the exams off-site, but this is Todd taking the opportunity to say, hey, we're always going to be coming on site. We're always going to need to come on site. Because I know that in the industry, in some circles, there's a desire that a virtual exam, meaning NCUA doesn't need to come on site, is something that's going to happen. And in my opinion, that we're, NCUA is a long way off from that ever happening, if it does ever happen. And Todd has taken the opportunity to say, hey, when we're off site, fraud goes up, internal controls go down. And I've talked about the empty cop car scenario or phenomenon on other podcasts. But the reality is he takes an opportunity to point out that NCUA will always be on site. And now that they're back on site, they're finding fraud and internal control problems. All right. A little bit more here from Chairman Harper. He's going to make references to a couple of my favorite slides that they presented. So we should expect the metrics found on slide 12 of the slide deck to get worse in the coming quarters. And it was a bit breathtaking to see just how large that growth was in our largest of credit unions. It was just a dramatic rise there um, from six to 12 credit unions. We doubled the number of credit unions and we tripled the number of assets that and Camels spoke three credit unions. It's something that we're going to have to watch out for as a board and as an agency and take all necessary actions to maintain the stability and ensure the strength of the share insurance fund. The NCUA. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go here to slide 13. It's a camel code comparison by asset size. And again, this is my favorite slide of their quarterly update. And Chairman Harper made reference to the fact that there was a material increase in large code threes. And there also, same thing happened in code fours. Let's start with code fours and code five. So last quarter, there were zero credit unions over $500 million in assets that were coded a code four or a code five. This quarter, there are two coded a code four or five between 500 million and a billion with total assets of 1.8 billion. So that means a code two or three became a code four or a code five. Now, when you become a code four or a code five, NCUA is going to visit you every 120 days 
Generally speaking, they will not increase your camel code until they do a full exam the next year. Credit unions over a billion always have an annual exam. These two credit unions are in the 500 million to a billion dollar amount, but they they both seem to be real close to a billion since together collectively their assets total 1.8 billion dollars. Now, camel code 3s, the slippage there is even more material. As Chairman Harper pointed out at the end of the last quarter, there were $6 billion credit unions that were code 3s. Just three months later, there are 12. So it, the number doubled in three months. And if that was to happen every quarter this year, there'd be another 24 that would join the group in 2023. So 24 and 12, 36, that's a six-fold increase in numbers if that rate were to continue. But from a percentage of, of assets, that increase was even more pronounced. They went from $7 billion in code threes of this size institutions being coded a three to 24.8 billion. So that is a, a pretty material increase. I think Todd said 300%. I think it's actually a little higher that when you do the numbers, actually 254%. If you annualize that, it's a thousand and seventeen percent but that's a huge increase. That means six more went on, but they, they weren't close to the billion dollar mark. That means there's some big code three credit unions hitting the books. And again, when you're a code three, NCUA is going to show up every six months. They very rarely will increase your camel code during that first year. So it's going to take about 12 months for you to get back to a code two and get back to seeing NCUA less frequently on a less frequent pain basis. Because again, when NCUA comes in, does these exams, it steals a lot of your time and a lot of your staff time and the true cost of an NCUA exam, you really realize what it is when they end up showing up every six months to make sure that the insurance fund is safe and sound. So, so this mirrors what I'm, I'm hearing when I talk to credit unions, when I talk to my clients, I've got some clients that have slipped into these categories and it does burn a lot of time and energy. Obviously the goal is to stay a code two or a code one forever, but with where the economy's at, that's just not not in the cards for some institutions. And with these unprecedented liquidity swings and what the Fed has done so quickly, it's really kind of created some havoc for some really well-run credit unions that are finding themselves thrust into a code three category. If you find yourself in this arena, I'll reach out and my team and I can assist. All right. So a couple other things that came up that were real interesting on this on this briefing and I want to get to something that board member Hauptman said, but before I get to that, one of the board members asked E&I director Kelly Lay what was triggering these code three, four, and five downgrades in big credit unions. And she said she had looked at the exams and that the two most common areas that were addressed were liquidity risk and interest rate risk. But she said they also had issues of credit risk, so loan quality, risk management, and accounting concerns. So NCUA reacts very harshly to accounting problems. And if you're a big credit union and you have accounting problems, my guess is those two code fours between 500 million and a billion are probably the ones that are showing that they've got accounting issues because NCUA has a zero tolerance once they discover an accounting problem in a big credit union, they get 
pretty aggressive. And speaking of aggressive, I now want to find my reference to board member Kyle Hoffman, who talked about, again, fraud and also talked about what the responsibilities of CEOs and boards are, which was a little bit more blunt than I would have expected, but it's definitely worth noting here in my podcast. Okay. And last year we said five out of six credit union fairs that had a loss to this fund have fraud as a factor. How does this compare to the year before? So five out of six were for 2022 and for 2021, there were seven failures that incurred a loss for those. Had talked as a leading factor. On average, over the past several years, I generally estimate that there's about 75% of the failures cite fraud as a contributing factor. Because how much of that is because the economy's been flush with money, the denominator total failures is lower. So the like if we had the same amount of fraud, like five out of six last year, but you know the economy went south and we had 20 failures that had a loss, then in theory that would be five out of 20. So the human failing is a constant. Human greed is a constant. Yes. Right? So is the percentage high because we haven't because there's a lot of fraud, or is the percentage high because there's some fraud and we don't have that many other failures? I think it's more the latter. It, it, right. Right. There aren't that many other failures. Either way, remarkable. Nine out of ten failures that, that, that we had to write a check as a fund involve fraud. And you know, NCUA does a good job of regulation and insurance, but a credit union CEO, they and they alone are responsible for what happens at that credit union. And so all the credit union board members out there, your responsibility is hiring and firing the CEO. So I always say, you know, we're not the parents of credit unions. They know what's best for their members, but it's incumbent upon the board to be very careful who they pick as CEO. And it's incumbent upon the CEO, the CEO to be responsible for everything that happens in that credit union um, and everybody they are. Okay. Wow. So that was pretty direct. That's the direct comment. So something, something is triggering these comments, right? So when a board member makes a public statement, it's because they've been briefed on something that makes them make that statement. All right. So, and the word fraud, how many times did he say the word fraud there? Five. There were a lot of references to fraud. And then there were references to it's the board's responsibility to hire or fire the CEO if there are issues. So we're a lot of chatter about internal controls, a lot of chatter about fraud, a lot of chatter about building up cash because of the need to resolve some of these problems. But it's clear to me that over the last three, six months, the NCUA board is starting to see some things that haven't happened at NCUA during their term, quite frankly, during maybe many of the employees' tenure at NCUA. You know, the 30-year people like me have seen these things come and go. You've seen these different cycles. But since NCUA was not on site, since credit unions were not on site, since auditors were not on site, and since internal controls got lax in some of those instances, it's clear to me that there were some frauds. It's clear to me that Vice Chairman Hauptman is pointing out that, hey, there might be some credit unions out there that need to make some changes in their management team. And you don't make those statements unless you've heard about some fraudulent activity that is going to impact a credit union severely and potentially impact an insurance fund. Now, we'll wait and see if that happens. And as a reminder, when there are insurance fund losses, NCUA does what's called a postmortem, and that's done by the inspector general. So... But the words that are being said mean something's going on. And I think there'll be some things that'll come out in the wash 
over this next year. And as what people say, what was it? Berkshire Hathaway gentleman, Warren Buffett, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. And there are some things that are starting to be revealed when NCUA is going back on site. And it's happening in some big credit unions. So testing times indeed. So again, camel codes are going the wrong way. And that's because of what's going on in the economy. I expect these trends will continue here as NCUA briefs on these this data quarterly. All right, so next up, I'm gonna chat about NCUA's field of membership rule. And I want to find a snippet from board member and former chairman Rodney Hood in this regard. Today's proposed rule is clearly a step in the right direction. For example, I'm glad it makes it easier for family members of deceased members to join a credit union. In fact, Ian, you were mentioning in your comments, yes, we often have a family member that passes away, the state is cleared, and for some reason, the family members cannot keep those assets within that credit union. They ended up having to go to a, a non-credit union financial services provider, so I'm glad that this rulemaking is going to help that. I'm also glad that NCUA Board is recognizing in today's proposed rule that hybrid work is impacting the traditional definition of affinity groups for community charters, namely people who live, worship, attend school or work in the community or in a rural district. Today's proposed rule attempts to capture remote work employees as affinity groups for community charters. This is indeed, in my opinion, a very positive development, but we have much more to build upon in this rule and from previous field of membership rulemakings. Serving the underserved, as you all know, has really been a hallmark of my time on the NCUA board, but more must be done to increase credit union access in rural, minority, disabled, and tribal communities, among other communities, where we currently, where currently all they may have in that area is a pernicious predatory payday lender. Personally, I believe the best way to do this is to allow mobile phones to serve as service facilities. For us to continue to use an antiquated definition of a service facility, it's not responsible in my view. When the, credit, when the Federal Credit Union Act was signed into law in 1934, I venture to say that no one living at that time could have imagined ATMs. Yet with the event of ATMs, our regulations evolved to consider how ATMs will represent a service facility. In 2023, the reality of that mobile banking is that it's a way that some of our 134 million members of credit unions are now served by their credit unions. Again, nearly 134 million of our credit union members are using mobile banking as a primary way of engaging. And as I have mentioned from this board table, more and more credit unions, as the members are using these phones, let's see what we as a board can do going forward to allow for mobile applications and digital delivery systems to meet service facility requirements. I think if we've learned anything since the COVID-19 pandemic, we should recognize again that members are using the phones and internet banking at a higher rate than they are actually going to the branches. In my view, the regulator must respond to changes in technology, just like credit unions are having to do so as well. Okay, so Chairman, excuse me, former Chairman Rodney Hood, current board member Rodney Hood hit to me the two biggest changes. I'll go into a little bit more of what NCUA said publicly, but the proposed rule allows family members of a deceased member to join the credit union after 
the individual has died, I believe they said for up to a period of six months. And again, this is a proposal, but that makes sense. I also saw Dan Berger. I think NAFCU has been pushing this, finding something or working something in in this regard. And Dan made a comment about how much he liked this part of the rule. I agree with Dan. I agreed with the board. This is great. And I think staff did a good job getting the, working this into the proposal. But I think the biggest change is counting a remote worker as part of a community. So the way they set this up is that if you are paid from an area, so it's it's live, worker is typically the community charter. So they're revising live, worker reside to also include paid from. So if I'm just picking a city, if I'm paid out of Dallas and my community charter is Dallas, but I live in Vermont, I could be part of that credit union, which makes perfect sense. So anyway, I, I think that's a good get that's going to lead to some field of membership growth for a lot of credit unions across the country. Lastly, board member Hood talked about the fact that he thinks a mobile phone should be a service center. The reality is, and this is a great comment, the reality is it is a service center for most members, a lot of members, pick a number, but when was the last time you were in your credit union's office, unless you happen to work there, you can do most of your things on your phone and they want to count it as a service center because that creates some flexibilities field of membership wise. If you're saying that you can only go into a community, if you have a service facility, the credit union would have to build a service facility, but if they have robust mobile banking, they basically have a branch because you can do everything on your phone. And that's the point. Now, I don't know if they'll be able to get there without a change to the Federal Credit Union Act, but I think it's good that Board Member Hood keeps bringing that point up. Okay, so a few more things. The board action memorandum that came out on this talked about the fact that there were nine changes to enhance consumer access to safe, fair, and affordable financial services. And specifically, it talks about making four changes to the rules for underserved areas that multiple common bond federal credit unions may seek to add to their field of membership. The changes would streamline existing application requirements and clarify the role of data and criteria that other federal agencies provide related to underserved areas. That relates to CDFI, and basically it it mirrors NCUA's rules and gives some flexibilities to what CDFI is doing. NCUA piggybacks off a lot of that data. It eliminates the business and marketing plan requirements for certain federally insured state chartered credit unions that seek to convert to a federal charter while serving the same community's field of membership. So essentially, this says that if you're a state charter and you come to NCUA and want to convert and you're asking for the same field of membership or smaller, you don't have to do a marketing plan, which makes perfect sense because you're already marketing to it. It also expands the community-based, and this is where I've made reference to what Rodney Hood said, but here's the official words, expand the community-based field of membership affinities, relationships between a person and the geographic community to recognize the growth of telecommuting and remote work for companies headquartered in a community. So that's a step forward, learning from what happened with the pandemic, remote work is here to stay, and it's trying to tweak the field of membership rules to allow for that in a better manner. So comments are due 90 days from date of publication in the Federal Register, which usually takes a month. So that'll give you roughly 120 days to comment. The last item on the agenda, and I'm not going to go into this much, I'll put a link to where you can find it. It's the final rule on reportable cyber incidents. Essentially, it says a credit union must contact NCUA as soon as possible 
but no later than 72 hours. And 72 hours is longer than the other banking regulators give. So that's a little bit of regulatory relief. And notification to NCUA. They also said some guidance is going to be coming out. By the way, I'm uh, I don't know if you can hear the activity outside, but I'm in a in my condo. There's a pool outside, and there's some kids having a whole lot of fun out there. So if you can hear it, maybe I'll maybe I'll edit it out. If you can't, anyway, a lot of people having fun by the pool. And by the way, it's 80 degrees down here in in Hollywood, Florida. Anyway, this rule, I will put links to the actual language, but it's almost identical to what the proposal was. You have 72 hours. NCUA will come out with guidance that will give some examples. And it's interesting because I do recall at the proposed rule, board member Hauptman wanted guidance to be issued as part of the regulation. And it looks like staff with the staffing challenges that NCUA is having that they weren't able to commit to getting that done by the time of the final rule, but they committed to getting it out in guidance soon. All right. So camel codes are getting worse. NCUA is building cash because they think they might need it. Field of membership rules are proposed that expand that will help in the way of remote workers and a few other areas. And NCUA has a rule on final rule on reportable cyber incidents. That's it for this uh, podcast. That's it for NCUA's board meeting. This is Mark Treichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktreichel.com. 